Well, good morning, everybody. I have a question for you. How did your mom or your dad wake you up in the morning when you were a kid? Painful memory, right? I must have been about 12 or 13. It would be time for me to get up to go to school. Of course, under the covers, it was warm. I wanted to sleep a little longer. My mom would come into my bedroom, and she had these ice-cold hands. And she would, like, grab my neck. And I know I should have called child services back then. Because that's got to be some kind of child abuse, I know. And I'm warped today because of this. Some deep damage and woundedness is still in my life because of it. Well, bottom line, she got me up when I was supposed to be up. She got me going the direction I was supposed to be going. So uh, my mom had her own version of the wake-up call. Wake up, wake up, wake up, oh, you sleeper. Now, listen, I needed to say, my, say that to myself back then, and I need to say that to myself even now. Now, now it's not about me getting up and getting out of bed in the morning. In fact, at age 62, I wish I could sleep a little longer these days. I got trouble sleeping enough now. But why do I need to say to myself, wake up, wake up, wake up, oh, you sleeper? It's because I have some areas in my life where I am asleep spiritually. And you have some areas in your life where you're asleep spiritually too. Today we're going to look at some verses in Romans chapter 13. And at the heart of the passage, we read these words. The hour has come for you to wake from sleep. So the challenge for us to wake up would not be here in the scripture if every single follower of Christ did not have the temptation in some areas of life to fall asleep. So I don't want you thinking today about your spouse who might be asleep spiritually or, you know, your friend or neighbor or coworker. You need to be thinking about where and how have I fallen asleep spiritually. Now, you might be thinking, well, people look like they're plenty awake to me. Look how busy everybody is. Well, people might be moving and shaking. People might be buying and selling. But spiritually speaking, the world is full of sleepwalkers. And when you're asleep, you don't see or hear or know what's going on around you. When you're asleep spiritually, you don't hear you got a spouse who is wounded and broken and in need of your support. you got a spouse that needs to be nurtured and cherished. But you're comfortable under your covers of self-pleasure, and you don't even hear his or her cry for help. And when you're asleep spiritually, you don't know. You know, there's a colleague that got a promotion, or a friend that got a job, or a buddy that got scholarship, and you can't celebrate with them because they got what you wanted. And because you're asleep spiritually in your bitterness and resentment and self-pity, you don't know that that person still needs your friendship and encouragement and support. And when, when you're asleep spiritually, you don't see. You've got neighbors all around you who don't know Christ, but because you're asleep in your self-interest, you don't see them as souls for whom Christ died. You don't see them as souls who will spend eternity in either heaven or hell. And you don't see that God has placed you there in their life as a missionary to win somebody for Jesus. And so the word comes to us 
Wake up, wake up, wake up, oh you sleeper. So now would you bow your heads just for a few seconds here this morning and close your eyes, and I want you to ask the Lord to show you, not somebody else, but you, where and how you're asleep. So would you ask him that? Dear Jesus, show me where and how I'm asleep, and then listen for his still, small voice. So do that right now for just a few seconds. God, we don't want to hear from a man today. We want to hear from heaven today. So I would ask that your Holy Spirit would be free to move in this room, to speak to our hearts, to show each one of us where and how we need to wake up. Lord, some of us are sound asleep. Some of us are just a bit drowsy. But Lord, we all need this word so open our eyes and help us to see wondrous things in your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, open your Bibles today to uh, Romans chapter 13. And we're going to start in verse 8. Fire up your apps, whatever you need to do. I want to welcome you if you're watching online. Thank you for being here with us. And today, if you're exploring the faith, if you're exploring what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, you know, if you kind of feel like an outsider looking in, then you need to know that today is going to be a, a message to the body of Christ, to the to people of God, to those who are saying, yes, I know Christ. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. And, and, and you're going to find out why we often don't live up to what we say we're supposed to be. I mean, we're supposed to be agents of love and change and hope and joy in this world, but often what you see in the life of a believer is anything but that. And you're going to kind of get a look under the hood as to why we're not who we're supposed to be sometimes. But it's a corrective deal that God is giving us here today. Now, in chapters 1 through 11 of this uh, letter to the, the Romans, we're learning how to be right with God. And we've learned that it comes by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And we've learned some things about ourselves, that we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ, uh, that we can have peace with God, that we're dead to sin and alive to God now, and we don't have to be slaves to sin because of that. There's no condemnation for us in Christ Jesus, and that the love of God will never leave us, that He will never leave us, that He will never forsake us. And we've been chosen by God. We've been engrafted into His family. And so these things are all called the mercies of God. And because of these mercies, we now can present ourselves to God as living sacrifices. And, and we said we're supposed to present ourselves to God as a blank check. And we say, okay, okay, God, you can fill in the blanks. Because I've received all of this mercy, I'm just offering myself up to you because I know that you love me with an incredible love. Now, when you offer your life to God as a blank check, the main characteristic that needs to be seen in your life is love. And we see that all the way through chapter 12. 
You know, and Pastor Dale taught last weekend here about our proper relationship to governmental authorities. And if you think about it, that's really a function of love because we're going to relate well to governmental authorities because we want to create a, a just and uh, safe and godly environment for people so they can flourish in love. And we see it here continued in chapter 13. That, that uh, we present our lives as blank checks to God. He fills in the blanks and the main characteristic is love. Here it is, verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to satisfy its desires. Now, why would he say here, wake up? It's because we have this tendency to fall into spiritual slumber. No matter how mature you think you are in Christ, no matter how long you've been walking with Christ, there is this tendency to fall asleep spiritually. I mean, think about it. The, the Roman church here is a very strong church because the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter knew that they could deal with deep doctrinal truth in powerful ways. That's why he dared to write them with such theological depth. It's a strong church. But Paul felt the need to challenge them about spiritual sleepiness. And if the church in Rome needed a challenge to wake up, how much more does the church in America and how much more does Cahoga Valley Church need the challenge to wake up? So, wake up, wake up, wake up, oh, you sleeper. And you say, well, how do I know if I'm kind of sleepwalking my way through life? Well, if I can't see and sense God really, truly alive and well and working through me, I'm sleepwalking. If I can't hear the Lord telling me how much He loves me and what it is He wants me to do for Him to love others, then I'm sleepwalking. And if the souls of men and women and boys and girls and their eternal destinies in either heaven or hell is not more important to me than my cars and houses and vacations and movies, then I'm sleepwalking. And so the word comes to us today, wake up, wake up, wake up, oh, you sleeper. Now, several weeks ago, Pastor Chad introduced us to two church members. He told us the tale of two members. Does anybody here remember their names? Bo and Joe. So our apologies to any Bo's and Joe's out there. You can blame Chad, he picked the names. I'm just rolling with it, okay? And my uh, apologies to my brother-in-law in Missouri, whose name is Bo. My apologies. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, in Chad's message, in Romans 12, Bo was numb and Joe was vitalized. Today, we're going to consider Bo as numb because he's asleep, and Joe is vitalized because he's awake. So which one are you more alike, Bo or Joe? Are you spiritually asleep or spiritually awake? So I want us to consider four contrasts from Romans 13 that will help us know if we're more like Bo or more like Joe, if we're alert or if we're asleep. So here's the first. Bo, who's asleep, lacks love, and Joe, who's alert, lives love. Now this is in verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love one another. So I owe you. I owe you. And hopefully it's not any money that I borrowed or the dishes that you loaned or the chainsaw that I used. Okay, I paid all that back, but I still owe you. And what do I owe you? I owe you love. Because this is the way that people who have actually received the mercies of God live. Notice what it says, last part of verse 8, For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Now, what law? Well, we're talking about like the Ten Commandments and all the rest of the laws in the Old Testament. You know, somebody came to Jesus one time and they said, Hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest commandment? All the Old Testament. He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as you love yourself. This fulfills the law, says Jesus. So if you want to obey God, and if you want to obey the laws that he's given us in the Bible, it's really pretty simple. Rule number one, love God. Rule number two, love people. Rule number three, see rule number one and rule number two. Right? That's what it is. So... so the commandments of God have been given to us not to restrict us, but to free us to love each other. And so here Paul gives us four of the Ten Commands as examples. Uh, verse 9, For the commandments you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So don't commit adultery. Instead, be loyal. Why? Because that's love. Uh, don't murder. In other words, don't be a herder. Instead, be a helper. Why? Because that's love. Don't steal. Instead, be a generous giver. Why? Because that's love. Don't covet. Instead, be happy for what others have. Because that's love. You see, the commandments are really um, guides so that we can actually love each other better. Verse 10, love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. If you're awake, then you can love. Now, a baby cries in the middle of the night, and what do parents do? Or at least, what do the mamas do? <laughs> I loved it when Marianne was nursing because I say, this is always her turn. It's like, hey, Marianne, it's your turn. <laughs> what do you do if the baby's crying in the middle of the night? You get up and care for that little baby. Why? It's love. See, you can't love others well if you're asleep. 
And listen, people are crying all around us. People are hurting all around us. But why is it that we can't seem to lift a finger to help? And it's because we're asleep spiritually. You want to know if you're awake or asleep, if you're a Joe or a Bo, then look at how well you're loving. Bo is asleep when it comes to love. He pretends to be loyal to his wife, but his mind and his eyes, they wonder. He he can't forgive the people that hurt him, so he wants to hurt back. Bo's focused on his own agenda, his own comforts, his own pleasures. He loves things and uses people. Bo doesn't know how deeply loved he is by God, so he can't truly love other people. But Joe's awake when it comes to love. Joe knows God loves me. So God's love overflows through Joe to other people. And as an act of love, he pays his debt. And he doesn't see the Ten Commandments so much as rules to keep, but as a means to express love. He is faithful. He forgives. He's a giver, not a taker. He's happy with what other people have. So are you awake or are you asleep? When it comes to love, are you a boat or a joe? It is time to wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Oh, you sleeper. So Bo who's asleep lacks love. Joe who's alert lives love. Second, Bo who's asleep minimizes eternity. Joe who's awake anticipates eternity. Verse 11. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone and the day is at hand. So now think with me. What is it about the time that's supposed to motivate love? What is he talking about? He says here, it is time to wake up. Why does he say that? Well, in verse 12, he says, the night's far gone, the day's at hand. So that's why you got to wake up. The day's at hand. The day has dawned. So what day is it? Well, it's the day of Christ. In the Old Testament, Jesus is called the sun, S-U-N, of righteousness that has arisen. So when Jesus came into this world, the sun of righteousness arose, and a new day has dawned. Jesus is the light of the world. And if your world is dark, you know what you need? You need Christ. And so he says to all of us here, the day is at hand. The time, the hour has come for us to wake up because it's daylight now. Jesus has come. Anybody have any kids here who sleep late on Christmas morning? I mean, if you do... You need to share whatever you know with some of the other parents here. I mean, moms and dads want to sleep late, but not the kids. And spiritually speaking, because Christ has come, every day is Christmas Day. And so it is time to get up. It's way past time to get up. Now, not only are we living in the day of Christ, but he says also here, salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Put Scripture back on the screen, please. There it is. Salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. So he is talking about our eventual glorification in eternity. So he's referring to the future tense of our salvation. So if you are a believer in Christ, every day you live, 
You are one day closer to that day when you will stand before Christ and hopefully hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Are you really ready for that day? This is why Matthew Henry says, it is the business of every day to prepare for the last day. It's the business of every day to prepare for the last day. Okay, what's, what's business? Love is our business. Loving God, loving others. That's our business. Question, how's business? And if your business isn't so good, then you're not ready for eternity. Bo ignores eternity. He isn't particularly moved when we say, hey, we want you to pray for 10 people, friends, coworkers, neighbors who don't know Christ. Bo isn't even trying to average two conversations a month with people who don't know Christ. In fact, it's been a long, long time since you ever told anybody that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's just not concerned about the eternal destinies of souls all around him. Bo ignores eternity. He's asleep. Joe anticipates eternity. I mean, he is all in with this new life 1024 thing that we're trying to do here. He is regularly praying for family members and friends and coworkers, neighbors that don't know Christ. He knows there's a real heaven and a real hell and real people are going to one or the other. And he says, I'm going to heaven and I'm going to take as many people with me as I can. Are you awake or asleep when it comes to getting ready for eternity? Are you a bow or a Joe? It is time to wake up. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Oh, you sleeper. So Bo, who's asleep, minimizes eternity. Joe, who's awake, anticipates eternity. Third, Bo, who's asleep, walks properly. Joe, who's alert, walks immorally. Look at the last part of verse 12. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. So take off the pajamas of immorality and put on the armor of light. Because the Christian life is not for sleepwalkers. It's a war. And this is why we're supposed to be wearing armor. See, we're at war with the world, the flesh, and the devil. Those three enemies that want to steal and kill and destroy everything good and godly and hopeful and joyful and meaningful in our lives. I mean, you've got an enemy that wants to neutralize you and steal your joy and steal your meaning. And some of us are asleep in our pajamas. The sleepwalking believer. Look at verse 13. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. So in that verse you see three categories of two. Uh, three kinds of sinful desires and what they produce. There's partying and substance abuse. That's the orgies and drunkenness. There's promiscuous lifestyle. That's sex outside of marriage, sex before marriage, sexual immorality, sensuality. Then there's control and manipulation in relationships. That's quarreling and jealousy. And some of us think, well, I'm okay. You got a pass on the first two, but you didn't get a pass on the third one. All of this is the antithesis of love. All of this is the stuff that puts you to sleep. 
I mean, people think, oh, when I'm engaging in the party lifestyle, I'm really alive, man. I'm really a party animal. I'm living the life. I'm standing my ground in relationships. No, you're not alert and alive because you're just thinking about yourself, your needs, your wants, your desires, and really you're asleep when it comes to loving other people. Maybe you're a frustrated housewife or a frustrated working mom. Maybe you're married to a man that never learned affection, never learned tenderness, never learned to simply talk about what matters to you. Well, he says here, if you want to be awake, you don't start a quarrel and you don't start coveting and daydreaming about Mr. Romantic Perfect because that's the way spiritual sleepwalkers think. Or maybe you're a frustrated husband or a single man. Maybe you wonder, why is there no woman for me? Or why does the woman I have not want to be intimate with me? She's cold toward me. Well, don't let that be an excuse to cause you to journey into a life of porn and lust. Because that's the way spiritual sleepwalkers think. Bo is asleep. He's bored or lonely or tired or discouraged or hopeless. So he tries to find some relief through drugs or alcohol. And those things just put Bo more and more to sleep. They get him less and less ready for eternity. They keep him from loving God and loving other people. And Bo is in his PJs when he's supposed to be fighting a war and wearing the armor of light. But Joe's alert. And he gets bored or lonely or tired or frustrated too. But he uses all of those difficult emotions to drive him closer to Jesus, not further away. So he's involved in worship and groups and service. He keeps coming to worship. He keeps connected to a life group. He finds ways to serve. He is wearing the armor of light because he knows he's fighting a spiritual battle. Are you asleep or awake when it comes to getting ready for eternity? Are you a Bo or a Joe? It's time. It's time. It's time. It's high time, as one version says, for you to wake up. So Bo, who's asleep, walks immorally. Joe, who's alert, walks properly. Fourth, Bo, who's asleep, displays Christ. And Joe, who's alert, displays, excuse me, Bo, who's asleep, displays the flesh. And Joe, who's alert, displays Christ. Verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ... And make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So he says, take off your pajamas. Take off your sleepwalking clothes and put on what? Put on what? Well, remember back in verse 12, he says to put on the armor of light. You got to have the right gear for the battle. Because to be awake is to be at war. And then he uses this same put on language here in verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So wait a minute, time out. What am I supposed to put on? The armor of light or put on Christ? Well, think Christ is the light of the world. He has come. So it's the dawn of a new day. He's going to come again at high noon. So we got to be ready for his return. So what we do is we clothe ourselves with his righteousness and his goodness and his grace and his mercy and his truth and his light. He is our armor. He is our protection. So put on Christ. Clothe yourself with Christ. Arm yourself with Christ. Never be without the covering of Christ. And I love what John Piper says about this. Let your friendship with Christ be as close as the shirt you wear. That's it. 
closeness to Christ. And this is the way so that you will not make provision for the flesh. A long time ago, I heard someone say, if you spell flesh backwards and then drop the H, what do you get? Self. Spell flesh backwards, drop the H, get self. And a person wrapped up in themselves is a very small package. You're not loving others. We have to put on Christ every day, all day. And that's not a burden. That is a blessing. So we wear him as our protection. He makes us safe. He makes us handsome. He makes us strong and dazzling and formidable. He is your bulletproof vest. He is an anti-explosive suit. So get close to Christ. So if you wear Christ by believing in Him and leaning on Him and praying to Him and worshiping Him and loving Him and staying close to Him, then you're going to be awake to what's most important just like He is awake to what's most important. And what's most important? Love to God and love to others. Bo, he's asleep. He caves into the desires of the flesh. When life gets hard, when the stresses pile up, he shops too much. He eats too much. He works too much. He surfs the web. He hides in his man cave. And all of these things make him more drowsy to what matters most. And it's why his wife isn't being loved and why his kids are being ignored. But Joe is alert. He's got some fleshly desires too, but when life gets hard and the stresses pile up, he intentionally and strategically puts on Christ. He might not be the best reader, but he reads his Bible anyway to hear from Christ every day. He might not be the best prayer, but he connects with Christ through prayer many times throughout the day. He might not be the best relationally, but he's in a life group anyway because the people there keep him close to Jesus. And he's just as busy as Bo is, but he still finds time to serve because he knows when he serves, that, that will connect him to Christ who gives him strength. Are you awake or asleep when it comes to putting on Christ? Are you a bow or are you a Joe? It's time to wake up. One of the young men in our church is a guy named Tyler Horvath Stang. And uh, I asked him if he would share just a little bit of his story about how he got a wake-up call from God. So let me just read a little bit of this story to you. As school started for me, I made new friends, and we began down a road of partying, getting high, girls, and things in this world. I was uh, being reckless and irresponsible. The lifestyle continued and escalated into my high school and adult life. I knew things of church and of God, but I was living a lifestyle completely contrary to Christ's teachings. I just didn't care. I wanted to get high, party, have a good time, be with girls, do what I wanted to do, period. I was certainly anchored in that path for many years. It was when I turned 21 that the enchantment of my habits and lifestyle began to dull and my feelings were changing. I had money, friends, drugs, a job, things, and fun times galore. The formula was set for what the world says provides happiness, but I was miserable, miserable to the core. I knew that something substantial was missing from my life. I knew for sure that I was empty inside because the Lord was not in my life. The things I learned as a child in church began to connect with my current situation until one night I knelt on my bed and I said to God, I don't care what happens. I just want to get to know you. 
I was still doing the things I would do. I would be getting high and would hear a whisper in my heart saying, you can't do this if you want to get to know me. To which my thought was, what do you mean? I love doing this. This continued until I knew for sure it was the Lord calling me and not just my mind's crazy wonderings. It was time for me to wake up. It will be two years in November since the Lord invited me into a relationship with Him. Two years of sobriety, two years of repentance, a complete renewing of my mind, a two-year crash course with the Holy Spirit on how to be a man of God, on owning my life and the choices that I make, on being a soldier in the army of God on the battlefield of this world, I could not get enough of the Lord into my life. Church, Bible studies, books, scripture, sermons, being discipled one-on-one. The Holy Spirit woke me up and entered my life with such a rush that I am now a completely new man. Wow. Wow. Tyler is not a bow anymore. Tyler's a Joe. How about you? How about me? You know, when you came in today, you got a program. And in the program, there's a response section. And one of them says very simply, Today, I'm placing my faith and belief in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. To be forgiven of my sin and made right with God for now and all eternity. And there's a prayer there. It's going to be on the screen. Dear Heavenly Father, I truly need your forgiveness. I've not loved others well. I've disobeyed your law. I'm not ready for eternity. I've lived in immoral ways. And I believe Jesus came to forgive me. I believe he died on the cross in my place for my sin and rose again. I now want to put on Christ. Save me. Change me. Help me live new. Fully awake from this day forth and forever. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, Man, that is my prayer. That's what I need to pray. I want a story like Tyler has. Others of you here, you maybe need to rededicate your life or you need to focus on one of these characteristics more than others. If you're going to do something for Christ, listen, you need to start soon because time is slipping away. How many days and weeks and months and years do you have left? Maybe just a few. It's high time to wake up. Can you wake yourself up? No. But the Lord can wake you up. Maybe through miserable circumstances. Maybe in some ways taking cold hands and grabbing you around the neck lovingly. Maybe he throws off the covers in some way. And so earlier I asked you, God, would you show me where and how I'm asleep? Now I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and pray again and just say very simply, Dear Jesus, wake me up. Wake me up. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes and talk to the Lord? Lord, I pray that you would not leave us alone, that you would wake us up. We wonder why we don't get anything out of the weekend messages like we used to. We wonder why we have no warmth toward the songs like we used to. We wonder why others seem vitalized and we're not. Show us the sin that we need to leave behind and awaken us with sweet reminders of your love. Awaken us with your discipline and warnings and rebukes and corrections. Awaken us through the 
miseries of life. Show us if our present misery is a wake-up call from heaven. And do whatever it takes, Lord, to wake us up. Because salvation is nearer today than it was yesterday. We don't want to be a church of slumbering saints. So deliver us from dead religion that produces sleep. Help us to have a vital, dynamic relationship with Christ. Wake us up. Wake us up. Wake my soul and sing. In Jesus' name we pray.